Episode 169, everybody, with Isaac Kuhlman, the founder of Real Coaching. He's got his own consultancy helping over a 1,000 people to date over the last six, seven years, helping people sell and grow their businesses on Amazon, working with uh, people from all walks, all industries, and uh, it sounds like a phenomenal business that he's created, uh, a business that's centered around lifestyle, that's centered around financial freedom, everyday freedom and flexibility to go and come as you please. You can work from anywhere in the world. And some of his clients have been uber successful, as you will hear in this conversation. But before we get there, everybody, please follow the podcast wherever you're doing it. The ratings and reviews continue to come in, such as this rating and review, a five-star rating that we received back in March from Tracy McIntosh, whoever you are. Thank you, Tracy. Tracy says, the optimal life is the perfect podcast for people looking for sparks of inspiration from everyday life. Real interviews with real people are the hallmark of Nate Haber's shows. His insightful and probing questions get to the bottom of issues that make a difference in our lives. A superb show. Tracy, I couldn't have paid you to write a better review, so thank you so much for that. And again, everyone, if you leave a review, you can do so anonymously. You don't have to leave your full name or real name. You could pick up and make up a name and, and just put it on there. But again, the ratings and reviews are something that help the podcast get pushed out to other people. So if you like what you're hearing, please leave one, and uh, it is tremendously helpful. With that said, everybody, as promised, a tremendously educational episode, insightful, inspiring, thought-provoking. Here it is. Please welcome the one and only Isaac Kuhlman. The Optimal Life. Isaac, welcome, my friend. How are you today? Yep, pretty good. Thanks for having me, Nate. So, you are affiliated with literally the biggest name brand in. All of the universe, I think. <laughs> I mean, it's good when your business revolves around the number one company in the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, we're not working for Amazon, but we work with and use Amazon's platforms and facilities to essentially be able to run our businesses, which, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's It's been, you know, the current landscape is necessarily you know, pushing towards Amazon growing and growing and growing because people are going to be shopping more and more online for the future and forever more. Right. So back in 2013, you got involved with Amazon. So take us back to 2013 and tell us about real coaching. Yeah. So back in 2013, I was actually working as a uh, operations manager at an indoor go-kart facility here in Las Vegas where I live now. Um, been here for about almost 15 years now. At that time, I was kind of you know, pretty young still. I was about 25 years old, but 25, six, something like that. Um, no, 28, something like that. Anyway, um, trying to figure out kind of what I really wanted to achieve and what I wanted to do and pretty much working through management of retail for the past 10, 15 years, something like that. And basically growing um, through learning how to work with people, uh, understand their needs, customers, obviously, obviously working with them, you know, hands-on like that you get a lot of experience and a lot of understanding of what customers actually want from you know the business that you're you know, working with um, basically uh, long story short I came in contact with somebody who was actually working with 
uh, an Amazon business. He had his own brand of cell phone accessories. And he came into the store one day. He was, you know, into the, into the go-kart track. And he came in, and he was racing with a friend. And I noticed he was doing pretty well. I said, you know, once again, I want this race. Like, you seem like you're doing pretty well. Would you like to know how to race even faster? And he was like, yeah, of course I would. And I was like, okay. So I took out, like, this, like, uh, whiteboard, drew a picture of the, the cart of the track, like the whole map of the track, and told him when he was actually supposed to break and when he should, you know, hit the corners and where to hit him. And he was like, why would I break? That's going to slow me down. I was like, no, actually, that's not how speed works. When you actually keep your speed and hit the right angles, you'll you'll go faster out of the turns and actually carry more speed into the turn. And it kind of blew his mind. But basically from there, we started talking, became friends. Um, he showed me his Amazon business. And, you know, I was turning this, this uh, company that I was working for into a profitable business, which that particular location had never been profitable before. And it was all based on metrics. So he saw that I was, you know, doing this and I was kind of explaining how I was doing this. And he was like, you know what? <clears throat> I think you and I could really work together on an Amazon business and I can show you what I'm doing. And if you want to kind of come over and work with me, you know, I'd love to, you know, work with you. So, you know, I didn't really know what he was doing. I didn't know how legitimate of a business he had. I didn't know what kind of sales he was running. So I said, okay, let me like, you know, let's, let's set a meeting and like actually talk about it and discuss the things. So I, you know, saw his numbers, saw his Amazon account and everything he was doing at the time he was doing, I think it was about $200,000 to $300,000 in sales on Amazon per month, which back then was an insane amount and still is. I mean, it's a, some incredible amount. People can do it now more often because there's more systems in place. Back then it was kind of, you just had to guess what you were going to sell, how to do it. And there was no real structure behind anything. So he was one of the kind of people that kind of set up these well, between himself, a few other people in that um, circle, and then between you know working with him and, and the systems that I have them set up, we were able to kind of structure a lot of the systems that we use now for stuff like real coaching, um, some of the other you know you know all of our Amazon businesses. But we, um, basically, um, in that time that I worked with him, uh, I guess we worked together for about two and a half years. But in that time we worked together, it was basically like learning everything from the ground up because Amazon didn't have the facilities it has now to be able to like actually show you how to do these things or give you, you know, pieces of information that you needed before. Mm. And so we, we really had to, you know, kind of dig and crawl through a lot of the, the, you know, algorithms and all the other buying histories and stuff like that, like what made Amazon tick. And so it really was a great way to learn the whole system from scratch right away at the beginning of the kind of boom of this, this era of Amazon selling. So was he selling only parts uh, from his own brand or is he selling multiple brands? How does that work? Yeah, so that particular uh, company, when, when we were working together, we created multiple different brands. When I first worked with him, he was only doing one brand and then, well actually no, it was two brands. Um, one was in the cell phone accessories and another one was in uh, weight loss supplements. So we essentially grew out the brands that we wanted because we were actually kind of getting bigger and bigger. So we had, you know, hired an office. We actually created an office in the Philippines. We had some sourcing agents in China that were working out of an office. Uh, it was growing pretty quickly. And we basically had all the resources to be able to keep growing. Um, but essentially, yeah, I mean, we were, were growing multiple brands at the same time. And then, um, got a lot of experience in, in running up international offices and training international employees and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much how we started that. I think that we, we basically were doing that for two and a half years before 
I had basically outsourced everything that I was doing and told him, look, you're going to probably not need to pay me anymore because I don't have anything. I'm not doing anything for your business because I've outsourced it all to the Philippines. Mm. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, literally you're paying me just to come in here and like answer some emails every week when you could do that yourself. And so he was like, okay. So we had kind of started some training, a training program at that time to kind of show people how to, um, repeat this process and get products from China or Southeast Asia and then, you know, sell them in the U S on Amazon and, and, and other countries on Amazon. Um, and at that point I kind of figured out that, you know what, I really like helping other people do this. And he was kind of more still sticking to wanting to just do it himself and not really train. So we kind of parted ways. And I, I wanted to, you know, kind of go in that direction of, of, of helping people get you know, better and better at this and not just keep all this information and all these, you know, um, resources and structures and processes to myself. Yeah. You saw so, yourself a, a consulting op- opportunity, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it's kind of a passion of mine. I, I, I wanted to do some sort of coaching, teaching, education piece all my life. I just didn't know when and how I was ever going to apply it. Mm-hmm. And this just seemed like a really good opportunity because it was kind of like a natural fit at the time I was doing it for free anyway. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, now I'm doing it. Um, and then I literally like two weeks after I kind of severed, I should say, walked away from that, that, that agreement that we had, I met my current business partner, partner, Kirsty, who we then eventually kind of started talking and said, you know, Hey, this is kind of what I'm doing. This is what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm working with people and they're not really doing anything because I'm giving them a bunch of free advice and I don't really have any like training material to just give them and say, Hey, go sit down. And I don't have any way to you know coach them other than literally be in the same rooms then. Um, so we basically said, you know what, there's probably going to be a better way to do this. And so over the next year or so, we kind of built out these systems, these videos, and then also literally now work with people, not just through training videos, but also actually like <coughs> sitting through coaching calls, sitting through looking at their businesses, you know, seeing their metrics, having them give us their, their product listings and their, you know, metrics that they have for, you know, how good they're converting their sales, all that stuff. And we take that information and we tell them, you know, based on what your situation is, here's what you need to do. Here's the, the best, most impactful things that you can actually do to get a better business. Yeah. And so we do that now. And, and you know, there's not a lot of people that will actually go out of their way to look at the data and actually the, the current existing business tell you exactly what you need to do from there because most people don't want to share the information. And I don't see how that's viable for anybody to run a business and not talk about their business. It makes no sense to us. So when you're dealing with these Amazon sellers, I want to get into the meat and potatoes of what you're doing sure. and how to help people that are interested in this. First off, are, are the sellers selling everyday type goods, uh, Kleenex, tissues, brand names, Nike, Adidas, those kind of things? Or are they selling Joe Schmo's candles, You know, their own private brand? Um, or yeah, is it a mix so, of both? Yeah, so when we first work with people, we get a little bit of a mix of both. We specifically deal with what's called private label, and that's basically taking you know everyday products and then putting your own brand, um, your own marketing, all that kind of stuff behind it. So, so for, for example, example, I have... Yeah, I was going to say, for example, maybe a, a blank T-shirt, and then you have your own brand that, with the T-shirts, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, like, I'll give you an example of a product that I actually sell. I sell an ice scraper. It's literally an ice scraper to scrape ice off of your windshields on your car, right, off of the windows and such. Nobody was really, like, I started that one about five years ago. Nobody really wants to sell an ice scraper because they just think, oh, that's too boring of a product. 
Well, in the last five years, I've probably sold, I don't know, about, I would say close to about a million and a half sales across the world on that that particular product, if not more. I have to go back and look at it. But in just one product, it's sold that much just over, you know, it's a seasonal item, right? So it's only selling for about four months a year. Mm. So just in like, essentially, I mean, if you took all, all five seasons or four seasons that I've sold through, I think it's four seasons now, added it up, you know, that would be a year. And that's about a million and a half from just one product. So let me so, ask you just on that product, Isaac. Yep. That product alone, is that a brand name product? No, well, that's the best part. So like when I first started, there weren't really brands. I, I couldn't think of a single brand that sold ice scrapers, right? So I was like, it's a pretty good opportunity because on, on page one of Amazon, it was all the same product or all the same uh, company selling ice scrapers. I was like, well, I've never heard of them. I don't think anybody cares what brand of ice scraper they're, they're buying. As long as it, it looks good, it works. And it speaks to what the person's problems are, you know, with, you know, obviously having a cheap ice scraper or using a credit card to scrape their windshield or whatever. And then it, and it's low price enough to where people will actually buy it. So I basically solved all those solutions and I'm still the, the number one UK ice scraper. I'm in the top probably 10 or 15 in the US still. And that, that product sells That's... well every single winter, which is, you know, <laughs> one of those things that if you just do things the right way, yeah, you find, you know, these little opportunities that people just aren't looking at you can you can do really well for a long period of time that's incredible so the ice scraper is private label and you put your own brand to it yep yep and what's it what's it called the brand is called Revheads. so it's an automotive accessories brand specifically geared towards people like you know mechanics car enthusiasts who want to take care of their car but that's not the only people that buy it that's just who the brand is geared towards so then everybody else who's looking at the product say you know this is an authority in that in that field which you know i'm pretty pretty good at both the 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 automotive side and also having lived in north dakota and montana when i was a kid i know a lot about scraping ice off of windshields and how painful that can be that's such an interesting thing this is a such a big big piece of advice that you just gave everybody i mean it's Mm -hmm. golden what you just gave because what you're saying is is it's not necessarily the the flashiest the sexiest things Find what you did is you found something that was a necessity in cold weather climates, places where there's snow and ice. You found something that was a necessity, but was in a market where brand name doesn't matter. Yeah, that's incredible. That's that's strong. Yeah, and I mean Amazon's coming and they've released their own ice scraper since then, and Amazon has never beat the top sellers, including myself, at that game. So, you know, there are some big brand big name brand names that will come in and sell products against the ones that I have or, you know, are currently, you know, branded products in other categories that I sell products in. But I don't worry too much about it because the good thing about Amazon is you can get placed right next to those products. And if you give customers a reason to buy you over those brand names, they'll buy you. So maybe your price is a little bit lower because, you know, for you know, maybe this example might be a little bit easier. So like if you're selling fitness equipment and there's, you know, like a Tony, um, Tony Little, I think is the fitness guru guy out there. So like if he's selling his own brand of products and he's got like his own line or whatever, some of them fitness gurus might have their own line and they're known for that. Well, you could pop right on to Amazon and be placed right next to them if you have good ratings, good sales, good reviews, all that stuff. And basically by the time you figure out that marketing side, you could actually outsell those big brands and and 
and it doesn't really matter to Amazon customers what the brand is as long as it's identifiably uh, re relatable to them. So like if you were selling fitness equipment, you wouldn't be like, you know, Dow Chemicals or whatever. You wouldn't be McDonald's, right? Like it wouldn't make, it would make sense that your branding would also kind of fit along it and the, the brand messaging that you give through your listing also makes sense. You can't just sell anything. Like it would be weird if Nintendo all of a sudden was selling, you know, I don't know, food product, for example, like that wouldn't make sense, right? So it kind of has to make sense with the customer, like what your brand is. So Rev Heads is about, you know, mechanics and, and car enthusiasts. That makes sense. You can't just like say, okay, this car enthusiast company is now is going to start selling baby formula. That doesn't really make any sense. So the brands still have to be cohesive because that gives you that edge of, you know, big brands going out there and trying to be, um, you know, the, the authority, but you can take that pretty much from them by being placed next to them on Amazon with a very similar or even better named brand. So talk a little bit about the algorithm. How important are the ratings? How important are the reviews? How does a company get listed on the first page versus the fifth page? How does that all work? You yeah, kind of, so And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's dig into that if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's actually a lot simpler than a lot of people want to make it. They think that it's like some sort of like mysterious thing. Now, I can't give you the, like the exact, you know, ratings for each thing. So like, I don't know if it's like 80% sales on the keyword and 20% conversion or whatever, but really the, the ranking system is essentially this. Just like Google, if you're like, you know, top business podcast on Google, like if you type that in, you know, Nate might come up on page two or three because there's, you know, all these massive ones out there that are just, you know, going out and trying to, you know, fill out content and content and content because it's, it's tough to compete. It's a big, broad keyword, right? Mm -hmm. But if you looked at like, you know, top business podcast and then put in the name, I think it's Nate Huber, right? So Huber, put yeah. that in, you're going to find you're probably on page one because it's, it's related and then it has your name in there, right? So you'll probably find page one. So similarly on Amazon, it's gonna be based instead of search and, and click, it's gonna be based on search and buy. So Amazon is a storefront, they sell stuff. If you type in a certain keyword and you are bought under that keyword more times than other people or other sellers or other products are bought, you will get ranking on that keyword. That is the probably the biggest weighted thing that you can have. Now, to sustain that is going to be a little hard because if, if you say you launch a product and you get, you know, 200 sales in a week, but it's only based on, you know, you going out to a customer list and saying, hey, we're going to give you 50% off to go buy our product this week and 200 people redeem that. Yeah, sure. You're going to have good rating or good ranking on that keyword for that time because after that, that kind of flood of velocity comes in, you're going to, you're going to appear quickly. And Amazon, if you think about it this way, uh, Amazon used to solely deal in books, right? So how does a book get launched? Pretty much the exact same way. They say, you know, go out and give a bunch of these, um, you know, copies to critics and to people to basically go out there and do reviews and then say, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, discounted uh, promo codes or whatever to go buy it on Amazon. And that's how books are launched. So that way they can get that mass velocity and that way they can get those reviews right away. And, Amazon likes that because what that means is they're always coming out with new things. Like new books are getting put on page one of certain categories. So just like that, new products on on things that don't necessarily get 
new products all the time are going to be able to appear on page one faster than you would think because it's built on that newness factor. So if you launch a new ice scraper and say you get 300 sales in a week and kind of everybody's averaging 20 or 30 sales on that, on that page one, mm. well, you're averaging, you know, whatever that is, 70 or, or uh, 80 or maybe even 100 per day or whatever it is. Well, you're blowing the competition out of water because you've done a massive launch and you're new. The problem is you don't have very many ratings yet. You don't have any reviews or whatever. And you're going to start to kind of slowly go back down the rankings because as you get legitimate sales or as you as your kind of launch sales go away, people aren't going to have a real reason to buy you just because you're on page one because you might be priced no, no lower than some of the top competitors. You might be even priced higher. You'll have no reviews and no ratings. So that sales velocity on those keywords is, is really the thing that keeps you there or gets you there. You have to get those other things kind of up and, and, and kind of running quickly. So your conversion on your listing, your ratings, your reviews, all that stuff. So that way you can then look and appear to a customer like mm -hmm. you belong there. So that way then they'll have a reason to buy you. Well, it's no different so, than when I was looking at supplements several years ago on Amazon. I came across yeah. this genius brand, never heard of them. They were on the first page of every single Amazon. And yeah. uh, they've got like 50,000 ratings on almost every single product that they produce. I've actually bought quite a few of them. I like it. They're pretty yeah. good. I wonder when it comes to those massive amounts of ratings, are these brands, and maybe this is something you guys do, are these brands going out to the customer, to the consumer, and enticing them to give out a high rating in return for something else? Well, this is definitely not something we do, um, okay. and it's definitely something that Amazon does not allow you to do. Okay. However, brands do it, and they've gotten away with it for far too long. But yes, it is absolutely against, uh, it's not even just against Amazon's rules. It's actually a federal law, I believe, that essentially you can't affect people's uh, reviews by giving them an incentive. It's, it's through a court case that's been kind of confirmed recently um, and upheld, so it's kind of got a double interesting um, double. I, I can't remember the press. It's almost now, so it's almost treated as a bribe, based on what you're saying. Exactly, it's a form of bribe. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and yeah, some of those brands. I mean, when you think about it, yeah. Sorry, so I was saying, if a big brand might come in and just have a lot of money to invest, they don't really have anything to lose right away because they don't have a business, so they might do this up front. And they just are like, okay, well, there's really no risk. It's a ton of reward to do this. However, if you get caught, you lose your you lose your seller account. Um, you could lose a lot of other stuff. And Amazon could technically even sue you over review manipulation. Um, some people just that you know they can get away with it and and try it. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there, there's definitely people out there who do that. They'll even set up fake reviews. And it does get pretty frustrating, especially in some of those um, really cutthroat industries like supplements. Um, they'll even go on to other competitors' listings and give them fake bad reviews so that way they look better in, in their customer's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it gets pretty cutthroat if you go into categories like that. So literally, like, supplements is one of the few categories I have sold into that I wouldn't recommend ever selling into again because it is <laughs> that, that kind of cutthroat industry. So, okay, you, you guys get – you guys – you started saying earlier that you typically work with private label. And yep. then we talked about your company and, and that example with the ice scrapers. Take us through your process, the private label types of people that you're working with and how you help them elevate. 
Yeah, so we, we work with people who, uh, even they're just starting out, we can, you know, even if they don't know anything really about the business, we can kind of get them up and, and running um, and get them kind of the understanding of how to do this business the right way because we've, we've tailored our, our coaching and, and training programs around that. Um, but typically what, what happens is essentially we first have to analyze two fundamental problems that most people have. Number one, they don't know how to run their business. And number two, they don't really understand what a good viable product looks like on Amazon. So first we have to actually get them to understand this is a business. There will be things like tracking your metrics, understanding where your profit and loss goes, you know, how much money is going in and what your cash flow looks like and how you plan for that, all that good stuff, sales forecasting, all that. People don't know how to do that because most people who go into Amazon businesses are just looking to, you know, sell some things on the side and then make it a $500 income or something, which that's not the kind of thing we're trying to achieve. We're trying to actually achieve sustainable businesses that give people the lifestyle freedom that they want so they don't have to work a nine to five job. So that's our main focus there is on that side. Now, the second big issue is that people don't know how to find viable products. So what we actually did was we created a spreadsheet. We call it a tool because really the, the, the people that we work with, our clients, they'll put in maybe about five or six pieces of information based on some research that they'll do, which we show them how to do. So they may have to find like the cost of goods of the product. They might have to estimate some freight costs. They might have to estimate some Amazon advertising spend, um, just like for like the, what we call the cost per click. So how much it costs for somebody to click on that ad to go. They put some of this data into the spreadsheet and essentially it, populates a bunch of other information like profitability, return on investment, um, how much cash they're gonna actually make each month in income, not just profitability of the, of the product per month, but also the actual amount of income they can make from this product. And then it'll tell them like how much it's gonna cost them to launch it, how much it's gonna cost them to market it ongoing. And then it'll tell them versus their budget, how much is it gonna cost? So if the person's got a $10,000 budget, this product might cost $140,000 to actually make viable because it's super competitive. Something like that would be like what the, the supplements would say. Mm-hmm. You know, it might cost you $200,000. No one's gonna launch that product probably anytime soon because they don't have the budget for it. But that's the big mistake most people make is they go into a product thinking, oh, if I just sell a couple units a day, eventually I'll get to like page one and eventually I'll get to sell the amount of units I want but they don't really know what that takes or how long it's gonna take or what kind of money they need to, to shell out in order to get there. So that's the tool that we kind of, um, we, we've, we've set up, it's called our Product Analyzer Bible. It'll tell you like, based on your based on your budget, what kind of products can you launch and what kind of products are just like out of your budget? And so we've, we've built that out over about five years now and it gives people, before they ever even place an order, the ability to understand if they can afford to be successful on that product. That's incredibly interesting. What kind of margins are people looking at selling on Amazon? Is there a range? Is it kind of all the same? How does that work? Yeah, we, we typically try to say the minimum profit margin for any product that we want is, well, we have a, a bit basically before advertising and after advertising. So. We want 35% profit margins with over 150% ROI before advertising. That gives us a pretty good cushion to be able to sell these products and actually do the marketing we want. Now, after advertising, you still want to get at least a 15 or 20%, somewhere in that range, of profitability. 
So even after all your advertising is over, you're still getting 15 to 20% average, uh, sorry, profitability for each product. Now you might have some other business expenses and obviously if you only have one product, that profitability might be lower depending on, you know, depending on when you launch that product, how long it's been selling and, you know, what other costs you might have. Like if you have like a VA, a virtual assistant helping you, or if you've just set up the business and you have like LLC businesses or sorry, LLC expenses you have. So some of that stuff is, is business expenses, but most of it's like one-off fees or it's payroll for like employees or whatever. That doesn't count towards your product profitability, just your business profitability. If you get four, five, six products, you know, essentially the profitability on each of those gets higher and higher because those business expenses don't weigh so heavily on one product. What are some areas of the market? You don't like supplements and vitamins, I take it, but yeah. what are yeah. some other areas in the market where there are opportunities, fruitful opportunities for people that are just starting off to get in and have a chance of success? I mean, yeah, I would even say like, look, there's probably some places in the supplement markets out there that you could you could dig and find something. Um, it's just going to probably be harder because those people that are already selling them are also doing all that digging as well. Um, but there's uh, there's really no category or kind of interest or niche that you can't find viable products. Um, I would say that aside from maybe stuff like clothing and fashionable stuff and then also maybe food products that's probably the only two things i would say stay away from or you know you know uh digital or media related items like music or books that kind of stuff because that's not something people are actually going out there to find to solve a problem that they have like the fashion is not so functional if you can find functional products that people need or use regularly or enough to be able to find good sales volume on Amazon for that without too much competition, you're going to be finding some, a lot of different things out there and people overlook the stuff that, you know, kind of go with things. So I had this one um, customer or this one member that I, she was talking about, she wanted to sell sanctuary items for women. And I was like, okay, well, I kind of know what you're talking about, but give me an example. And she's like, well, like a waterfall for like your bathroom, for example. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But those products are pretty big. They're pretty heavy. Um, they can cost a lot to get, you know, made and shipped. And so what, why not sell something that might go with it? Like the little ornamental rocks that you put into the, the bottom of the, of the water fountain. And she was like, oh yeah, well, that makes sense. And I was like, well, look at the competition to see if the water fountains are, are viable and then look at the rocks to see if they're viable. And she put them into the, um, obviously into a product analyzer Bible and she's seeing, you know, yeah, the, the, the viability of the rocks is actually easier than the viability of the water fountains. So that's a potential product that fits under that brand that most people wouldn't even think to sell. Mm. So are most people coming to you, Isaac and to Kirsty and the rest of your team there at real coaching, are they coming over to you guys where they're only kind of in the idea phase and they're trying to have you guys help them out with sorting through that or do they already have a product in hand? Yeah, but we're about 50-50. We have people that are you know just getting started and then we have people that are doing anywhere from you know a couple thousand dollars a month on Amazon currently to literally over two or three hundred thousand dollars a month on Amazon. Um, we've had multiple people end up send, selling their businesses for seven figures or more. Um, and some people that have, you know, made such a good living off their business that they don't really want to sell it. And, you know, they're like, hey, I've basically got a, an ongoing business that'll that'll take care of me for the rest of my life if I just pay attention to it and, and keep it from, you know, slipping down. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we have everything from people literally just, you know, we even have people who are like retired folks who literally just want to, you know, find something to do with the, the, the golden years of their life. And they're like, you know what, starting an online business, even though they might not be computer savvy, it, it appeals to them because they don't want to go out and get a job and they don't want to go out and start, you know, a, a, their own retail store or a restaurant or something. They want to learn something new and they also want to obviously be able to do that with their own type of freedom. So your clients that are bringing in those large numbers, the two to $300,000 a month, Mm-hmm. And they're bringing in two and a half, three million dollars annually in sales, and at the twenty percent or even fifteen percent, you're looking at a half a million dollars in ca- in income numbers yep. at the end of the year. And they're able to work from wherever they want. They're able mm-hmm. to travel, go go and do. Um, I mean, these are the types of numbers that that you've helped them to achieve. And yep. if yes, how do you guys get paid? Yeah, so <laughs> so our thing is that we actually help these people do this all the time, day in and day out. We are not we don't take any share of their business or anything like that. All we do is we essentially are running a consultant service. Um, if you think about how that, that is, they pay us, they go they work with us for a certain amount of time, so let's say three months or a year or six months, and they pay us for that term of engagement after they leave or stop working with us or you know say hey you know what i'm well on my way uh, if i need you guys i'll come back to you which some people have like you know they get kind of out there they get way up in their you know their their sales increase quite heavily in a, in a significantly short shorter period of time than they had before so they're like hey i'm good to go now i'm just going to take this and, and move, keep moving it forward mm-hmm. then they kind of go away and they're like you know what i'm not as accountable to my business as i should be i'm kind of not growing it without you know some guidance and that's when a lot of these guys come back to us and say, I need you guys, well, I need to work with you guys on a longer engagement. And they do. And then they get even better and better results. So Wow. So you guys are we do. truly a consultancy. You're there on a, a yep. retainer, basically, of some sort. Yep. Basically. And, and, uh, and like you said earlier, you found, <laughs> you found this education piece that you were seeking your entire life, helping yep. people coaching people, educating people, and it sounds like you're not only doing that on the front end, but these guys, after years of experience, and they start feeling that they need a little bit boost, they'll come back to you guys to work with you on, on just keeping them accountable and maybe yeah. reigniting that, that fire, that desire that they were finding dormant. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and some of them even come on board and, and work with us as our coaches as well because they, they really want to give back themselves, so that's a, kind of like a full circle moment when they're like, you know, they, they work with us and then they go away and then they work with us again and then they're like, you know what, I want to also help. Is there a, is there a potential fit for me in, in real coaching? And yeah, I've had people that actually do that. What has this business done for you personally? Well, it's, it's it, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things. I, I, I try to explain this to people because everyone is always going to be skeptical. Like, why are you helping people? Why don't you just go out and make millions of dollars yourselves if you're so good at it? Um, my passion is not necessarily selling things on Amazon, right? I, I do it because it's another thing that's going to help me get to where I want to go in life. And it's, it's you know, uh, you know, kind of a step in the process. The one thing I think that I've always wanted, like I told you earlier, was is to be able to help people, educate people, coach them, give them an opportunity. Because I grew up really poor. I grew up like to where I was eating like cornflakes for every meal on a day. Or, you know, I remember specifically eating a raw potato for dinner one day. And at the time I liked raw potatoes, so it was not a big deal, but I didn't really know how awkward or, or different that was from most people's, you know, situations. So, you know, 
having that kind of childhood, I always thought to myself, you know, we're in it. In, in my dad, my brother, myself, my mom, and my sister, they got, you know, my parents got divorced when I was young, but basically I never felt like we were poor in mindset. We were just in a situation where we didn't have any money because, you know, they were like 18 when they first had my older brother, 20 when I was born and 22 when my sister was born. So they had three kids early on in their stage, you know, in their, their, their life stage. And it's very hard to get opportunity when you have that going. So I kind of made it in my brain, like I'm going to, if I ever get out of this particular um, um, situation, I'm going to change other people's lives as well. I'm going to give people the opportunity to help themselves because I never really had any, you know, buddy reaching out and saying, Hey, I can help you or anything like that. I had to go kind of try to find people like that. Um, and so one of my early thoughts in my head was, you know, that old saying, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man a fi- teach a man to fish, he'll eat for his, his whole life. Right. So I kept thinking that in my head and, um, over and over and over, you know, through different things in my life, I kept just getting put in situations where I was always training people, but it was like at a workplace, right? So I'm, I'm retail manager or whatever. I'm training employees, training other managers. I'm doing stuff like that. And that wasn't fulfilling at all. Um, it's like nobody wants to be a retail, you know, corporate manager or anything like that. So didn't like that. Um, eventually it became obvious that there were lots of people to me, uh, you know, coming out to me and asking, how do you make this Amazon business work? And then when we started seeing results that people were having, like one of the, one of our friends, uh, became a friend through us coaching him. He ended up taking his whole family on vacation for a whole year and quit his, like he had two pharmacies in Australia, sold them off or sold at least one of them off, took a year off and traveled with his family. I'm like, when you see results like that from an Amazon business, mm. you're, 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 you're wholly rewarded from that situation, right? I don't want to see people going broke and, and not having the opportunity to change their lives. Every time we see a huge result for people, that's when we're rewarded. Like we've had somebody pay off $250,000 in debt. That was huge. We've yeah. had people do all sorts of crazy stuff and life-changing stuff. And every single time that happens, we're like, man, this is why we do this because we always wanted people to succeed in this business. Being successful is a lot more than just the total dollars that you're bringing in every single day, every month, every year. There's a lot more factors to it and the fulfillment and stimulation factors are at the top of the list. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what you experience with your business day in and day out, helping people, seeing them realize their potential, you being a key part of that to to help them grow and be profitable and make money and learn earn a better living and some of these people it sounds like like you said they they experience things beyond their wildest dreams i take it to be able to go take your family for a year-long vacation i mean who can do such a thing there's not many people that can't you run you run a podcast called the optimum life i mean why would you want to just hoard money and like throw people away and like push them away and if they ask for your help, tell them, no, I can't help you. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like an optimal life to me. Right. Right. If you can create a positive ripple and an impact on the world in some way, shape or form, even if it's just one other person, that seems like a pretty good life. It sure does. It does my friend. And so my question, this next question, what is, what is the value of freedom? Yeah, (laughs) that's a great question. Um, I, I will say this, look, I've been, uh, self-employed since 2015. If I ever had to get another job, I don't think I could last more than a week anymore. 
So the value to me, if if I could state it in in kind of a qualitative instead of a quantitative form, is that if you actually have, you know, I think there's a certain limitation on the word free man because we're never truly, truly going to be free. Right? Like we have governments and laws and all that stuff, right? So we can't break all that. But to be able to not have to worry about how much you're going to spend at a grocery store, to be able to go to different dinner and take your family out anytime you want and, and not worry about bills and stuff like that. And just to truly feel free from, from pressure of like, you know, you have to make things work today or else basically you're going to, you're going to lose your house or something like that to be free in that sense, financially free geographically. You can move around if you want, because you're not tied to a specific area unless obviously you have family or something, but um, to be able to do these kinds of things and to have that kind of freedom, um, it, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it, it would be like if you just be, were able to all of a sudden, you know, run super fast and become like a professional athlete when you were, you know, kind of slow before. Like it's, 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 it's like being in life, but kind of on these like extreme kind of situations you can live life to, to the fullest now you can't you can't you don't have to plan every single thing about your life anymore you can be more spontaneous you can do things for fun instead of you know kind of feel like you're obligated to do them that's the difference between i think being free and being confined to a, a nine-to-five job or having very strict limitations on what you can do because of your finances I'm a firm believer that a person that could be making a million dollars a year but is strapped to the office and uh-huh. working extremely long days, weeks, and uh, hours, barely spending time with their family, they have a million stakeholders that they have to answer to and report to, metrics, data, deadlines, all these things, which is corporate America. And, uh, and uh-huh. I'll be honest, I'm in corporate America to an extent. Um, there's something for someone that's making a hundred thousand a year that has all the freedom in the world, versus the guy that's making a million or two million a year that's completely handcuffed. Yep, that's a completely different life experience, and I I would argue the person that's making a hundred thousand a year is most likely happier. Oh yeah, and you see it all the time. Like we actually have uh, one of one of our more successful clients. He was uh, an upper uh, executive in, in American Express. And he was like, I had to quit it because I could not keep doing that for the rest of my life. And I think he was probably his mid-40s when he quit, which, you know, some people, like, I, I actually thought the same thing. I, I was like, I can't keep doing this, but I was in my early to mid-30s, so I kind of got out earlier than a lot of people. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I would much rather live life with a lot less stress and a, a lot more happiness than, than just all this money, right? Because I always tell people, look, I don't want to be the guy that has the most money in the cemetery. I want to be the guy who, while he's alive, tells the best stories. Ah, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, if Amazon starts accepting, eventually, cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. what is that going to do for your business and the business of all these Amazon sellers? Well, that's a really good question. I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell you, but I can tell you it's going to... It will highly legitimize cryptocurrency let's put it that way um what it will probably do to the exchange and and um value of of cryptocurrency would immediately you know all the all the limitations of people saying you know what it's not a viable thing because people aren't buying and selling it and using it 
it would change everything in that factor because Amazon is the world's leading marketplace. And if they started accepting that, um, you would see, you know, depending on how many cryptocurrencies they might accept, if they only went Bitcoin, I'm not sure that it would change everything because Bitcoin buyers and sellers seem to think that because it's a um, limited resource and not kind of meant, well, in Long essence, term. it's meant to be bought and sold and used as currency, but that's not how it's being used yet. Um, I'm not more sure of that a, would change things immediately, though. Yeah, well, Bitcoin's being used as more of a long-term hold, long-term yeah. asset gain that could be worth a million dollars a coin one day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's an it's like an investing. It's like an investment, like how people buy, you know, um, baseball cards, right? Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. you buy all the baseball cards this year and wait thirty years for them to be worth. 10, 15, 20 times what they are today. But if they start accepting Dogecoin, for example, yep. wow, what that will do for that type of currency. Exactly right. And, and I think that's why you see people like Elon Musk and, and whoever else, you know, go out there and say, you know, Dogecoin's where it's at because people are legitimately, I mean, it's only like 68 cents or whatever, or 45 cents or whatever it is now. Um, but it's a legitimate form of currency. So like if they actually use that to buy and sell other things and actually you know, purchase, make purchases with it, then yeah, you you could easily see how that becomes a legitimate form of currency. I, I will say it's uh, it's got to be, like we started with, it's got to be nice to be tied to the strongest brand name in the world in Amazon. And I feel like Amazon, while every business is susceptible to some type of disruption, mm-hmm. we saw it in the taxi cab industry, we've seen it in technology and all these other things. It's really hard to see how in the next 20 years Amazon's going to be disrupted. And I think that they're so conscious of it that they're always working to stay one step ahead. So it seems to be a great place to go if you want to have a business, if you want to have financial freedom, but even more importantly, just, just everyday flexibility and freedom to run your own business, do it from anywhere in the world. Uh, this is a great opportunity. Talk to Isaac and Kirsty over at Real Coaching. GoTeamReal.com is your website. Anything on social that you want to uh, plug where they can find you? No. Um, or is just, yeah, you can or just, just go there. We pretty much have everything, but there is a okay. on Facebook we have a free group that they can go to. Um, it's called uh, Amazon Seller Roundtable. And you can go there. You can join it for free. You can get some resources there. You can also check out our podcast, which is called the Sprint to Profit Podcast. So Amazon Seller Roundtable on Facebook. Yep. And the name of your podcast one more time? Sprint to Profit. Sprint to Profit. And we will link this all up in the show notes. Hey, uh, listen, my friend, thank you very much for shedding insight into this tremendous story of yours. It seems like it's just starting, um, even yeah. though you've been doing it for seven or eight years already. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, staying in touch and you know continued success with everything. And thanks again for having me, Nate.